0: Oh, hey there. You're still here? We've been putting out weekly episodes on a separate feed. Here's the episode where we talk about the Kill Team event in the Las Vegas Open, but don't forget to subscribe to the separate feed so you can catch up on all those episodes you've missed over the past few weeks and have new episodes delivered to you every week of the Killzone Podcast. There's a link in the description.
1: The Frontline Gaming Network presents The Killzone Podcast. The
2: Killzone Podcast. With your hosts, Piranid 40K, Sheldon from Kill Team Stream, and Emmanuel from Strategic
3: Advantage. Tournament news, tactics, and strategy. Tune in every week to hear real talk for competitive Kill Team. Get ready to enter the Kill Zone.
0: Like the intro just said, you have entered the kill zone. Welcome back to returning listeners and those of you new to the podcast. This is Bearden in 40k. I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsonikos from Strategic Advantage. Well, how y'all doing? And the big TO in charge of the major US Kill Team tournaments, Sheldon Steer, also known as Kill Team Street. Bienvenido. We've got a great show for you today. First up, we're talking about our experience at the Kill Team Championships at the Las Vegas Open. After that, we'll
2: talk about what we see on the horizon for the state of the competitive meta and what factions we expect
3: to do well in the ITC format. So stay tuned because the Killzone podcast is coming your way
1: right after we pay some bills with these messages. At Frontline Gaming, we make the best tabletop gaming mats in the universe. Our mats are durable, rollable, foldable, wipeable, and storable. Oh, and they look damn great too. Join the thousands of tournament regulars and garage gamers who use our mats to bring their gaming surfaces to life. To ensure quality, frontline gaming mats are custom-made one at a time. Printed with high-quality ink, our immersive designs stay crisp and are available in a wide range of styles and sizes. So whether you're playing a war game or a skirmish game, whether you're fighting over an alien tundra, fantastical forest, or real-world setting, there's a great-looking battlefield for you. Our gaming mats are printed on extremely durable neoprene backing, so they won't slide around the table. And they're thick enough to stay flat, protecting what's underneath and allowing for slight uneven surfaces. We know from experience that an easily portable gaming surface is just better. Every mat comes with a sturdy nylon zip-up bag for storage and transportation. Whether your next battle is in your home or at the local game store, you'll be able to unroll your FLG mat and get gaming right away. All products are all made and tested by passionate gamers at Frontline Gaming HQ right here in the USA. It's time to take your battlefield to a new level. Frontline Gaming, champions of tabletop. And we
0: are back. And it was a big weekend. Uh, You know, we had a lot going on uh, with the LVO and things like that. But before we get into that, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about Trip. uh, You know, the experience there a little bit. Uh, Some of what you've been doing since you've been back, maybe. You know, anything like that? Yeah, the... uh...
2: This was the first time I've had to drive out on my own to a tournament. Um, I usually carpool with my buddy Alex, but he decided to test the waters of uh, 40K and brought his uh, 2,000 points of uh, uh, body horror ADMEC to to LVO. And that tournament started a day before um, ours. So he drove out the day beforehand. Um, It's a long drive from LA to Las Vegas. Alone, yeah, with your thoughts. Yeah,
3: even, <laughs> even longer if you're coming from the Bay Area.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh man. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can't imagine that. I had to get on the Discord uh, and hang out in live chat, hoping somebody would come on eventually. <laughs> yeah, I joined you for that. Uh, it, it coincided with my lunch break
2: at work, so I joined you for that. Um, I was a little envious. I was looking to see if someone was playing a game online or someone was just hanging out in a in a voice chat channel when I was doing
0: my drive, but it was crickets because <laughs> everyone that wanted to be there for Kill Team was already there, already talking oh, to each other. Right, yeah. You came uh, into the night on Friday, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so there was already tournament stuff happening. People had already gotten there. Yeah. Yeah
3: yep yeah so how
0: was the drive down sheldon isn't that a long drive
3: (laughs) yeah it was insane plus uh you know i had my whole streaming rig in there which was loading the whole car down i was uh worried that you know i was gonna pop a tire again like i i did on the way to (laughs) socal open luckily i didn't but i did need to take a couple naps ended up stopping at the terribles uh casino truck stop and just sleeping in the parking lot there for about an hour while i tried to rest my eyes because just staring at that dark road just like uh for oh, that long worse. oh man it just like Absolutely. my eyes were going crazy
0: <laughs> so what about uh since coming back so we're going to be going over a lot of lvo uh any hobby anything like that since uh, you've always been back or have you just been kind of resting or so uh, one thing I wanted to finally
2: do is finish up painting my Octaria stuff uh, and uh, finally get that table ready so I can start using that because I played pretty much on just the ITC stuff and then I went to my LGS and Javi ADD set in again <laughs> and I've been wanting to build my novitiates for a while but I haven't liked the kitbash ideas I have uh, I have seen and then I finally realized what the Cruel Boys for Age of Sigmar were meant to be all this time. The (laughs) Cruel Boys are the scrawny, not real orcs just like the novitiates are the scrawny, not power armored sisters. <laughs> so, th- they're perfect scale, they're perfect size, uh, and I'm not gonna paint them like the hobgoblin-y, weird orangey kind of stuff. I'm going to actually start that project uh, tonight after we're done recording and start working on that. Um, again, starting another kill team before I finish painting <laughs> the other one. I already get passion though. But,
3: uh... Eh. Hashtag kill team life. <laughs>
0: Yeah, are you, are you sure you're not uh, going to be playing big 40k someday? Because that seems to be the standard for that, right? Is Yeah, you just don't yeah. finish the unit and you're already building the next unit.
2: So so that's that was the whole plan behind all of these kill teams. I didn't want to build 90 boys that were all the same, so all these different kill teams were eventually going to turn <laughs> into 90 boys. Uh, and then I decided to build a speed wall (laughs)
0: instead, so that plan went out of them. Oh, man.
3: Oh, man, yeah. I've just been, you know, it's like one, from one tournament on to the next, I'm, uh, now I'm prepping for Kill Team Open, so it's just been, like, right out of the LVO, into the Kill Team Open, KTO, uh, I have, uh. I've got last like last minute stuff I've been doing all week and and trying to get everything ready because I actually have to leave next Saturday and uh, I'm going to be doing a big week long road trip across the U.S. <laughs> to get to the Kill Team Open. That's right, you're you're gonna u haul all your stuff out there, huh? Uh, unfortunately, I guess due to COVID, u haul prices are just unreasonable nowadays. So I'm actually borrowing my stepdad's truck. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh. Yeah, I've I, uh, been doing kind of similar here with, uh, well, first of all, my trip to Vegas uh, wasn't just a weekend. I ended up staying almost a full week because I went to go see family, things like that. And they were replacing the ceilings in my apartment. Couldn't actually be here. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make this a little bit longer. And then it got even longer because uh, we had that 60 mile an hour wind advisory thing. And where I was to see some of the family uh, for that day would have meant I was driving through the back end to Baker um, 20 miles or so away from death valley and there was uh 60 you know like i said 60 mile an hour winds and gusts oh, it was just yeah. like red advisory sandstorm kind of thing and there is no signal out there absolutely none i took a, a snapshot to show my wife it was like dude look at this uh <laughs> there is just nothing so it's scary yeah that's
2: uh we don't need you flying away on your way back to los angeles yeah. so <laughs> i'm glad yeah. i'm glad you stayed a couple other days there
3: yeah i would i was coming back from socal open there was, uh, I think, 60-mile-an-hour winds. There was that crazy thing, and I had, to, I had all my, like, terrain and everything on the car, and I was like, oh, God, this is going to end very badly, and it was raining. It was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Absolutely. But, yeah, Sheldon, I'm following your lead because I'm uh, jumping, you know, from the frying pan into the fire, too, with LVO. Then I came back yesterday. Uh, I played in San Diego, um, at a uh, tournament there. And then later this month is Baltimore for KTO. So just been jumping around and uh, probably abusing the fact that I had COVID already, uh, you know, in less than a month ago and <laughs> should be fairly okay, but still taking those tests when I get back and stuff, you know, those at-home yeah. rapids and, <laughs> just to be sure. But So um, I want
2: to talk about some of the fun stuff on the periphery of LVO. Um, some of this stuff was just really exciting um, that I really enjoyed at LVO Uh, first and foremost Kyle just (laughs) stepping his game up once again with the Orctagon I mean I've seen all the iterations of this Orctagon since uh, SoCal 2019 I got my my Orky pocket watch from then (laughs) Um, the next time I saw it was at LVO, and I got my Orky purity seal, um, and this time he, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I mean, Octarius was a blessing for him, because he was able to use all that Octarius terrain (laughs) to really flesh out this giant monster of an arena that he's made, and he had some cool swag this time as well. A blue dye, the lucky, the lucky color, with a tooth on the six. He also had uh, more purity seals, and he also had a tooth charm that you could win if you uh, defeated his champion in the uh, arena. And uh, I went toe to toe with his boss knob with my rocket boy, and the rocket boy punched him to death in the end. (laughs) Oh,
0: very nice. Didn't even use the rockets. That's cool. Oh, he did. He did. He whiffed a little bit, though. Yeah, so for those of you listeners that are unfamiliar, here on the West Coast, we have a national treasure and uh, (laughs) a gentleman named Kyle Fierstad, who at the majors he takes this construction he calls the Orctagon, which there has been, like Emmanuel just said, several iterations of it, but what this is essentially is you pit one model of your kill team, or you can do this for a 40k model I believe Sheldon actually put (laughs) uh, Necron Pylon down one year uh, (laughs) uh, to go single combat, but you go single combat against one model of his choosing, and and if you win in my you defense, win a prize, and
3: you, he said, "Any wow. model in 40k."
0: <laughs> that is that follows the rules. It, it, uh, I think that's probably why you had to make the the octagon bigger each year because people <laughs> just keep finding finding these things that should not be in single combat. But uh, yeah, any model you can put that down on there, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, this year I was gonna do it with my little grenadier pathfinder. I was oh. like, Ooh, who would I put in there that would just smoke a you know boss knob? Uh, and I thought he would do it, but I didn't want to bug him because it was in the middle of a break and he had set up—he was setting up for like a picture, it looked like. So I was like, okay. But my Lictor Malakangus is a two-time champion of the Ork Gun from different events. So maybe he'll get to come back in a future iteration.
2: I, I had zero shame. He was going to go play one of his doubles games for a 40 k tournament. I was like,
1: no, no, Ork Gun, let's go. He's like, No, no, no,
2: get over here. It's Ork
3: Gun time. Yeah, I brought out one of my vet guard. I brought the leader with the plasma pistol and the power sword and uh I thought I'd lost but then Bironid came in with the rules he was like uh actually <laughs> um actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> he he uh, yes. he saved my butt and we re- we redid uh every all the math and all of a sudden realized I'd actually won <laughs> so thanks for that Bearnitt
0: Yes, I'm your wingman in the Orctagon, but <laughs> I, I had to win through you this time since I didn't have Malakangas with me, my, my <laughs> beloved Lictor. Winning vicariously.
2: <laughs> and uh, in addition to how zany and loony and fun the Orctagon is, um, I think I found a new calling of inducing chaos on ITC terrain layouts <laughs> because the After Dark event was... <laughs> I think tied for the most fun that I had in the entire tournament. Um, (laughs) After Dark is a fun uh, stopgap between day one and day two, where um, 21 and over, and just come and just enjoy, play games, uh, drink some beers, and (laughs) it's really all bets off with the rules. It's player place terrain. Uh, not using the buzzword of the weekend player optimized for the 40k tournament Ooh. this is very much not optimized <laughs> yeah. it's re- the really good player place terrain rules i gotta say with a little bit of tweaking that could even have maybe a competitive uh viability to it but the way that alex and dakota's game went once i started to twist their game around their terrain around <laughs> and then they're like forget it Containers are on the sides. All the containers are topped with traversable terrain. Forget it. This is this is nuts. This is off the rails. It, it was so much fun. I had a
0: lot of fun in the After Dark event too. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to go. And yeah, I, uh, with the top eight thing, I was like, dude, I have to be up first thing in the morning. I'm afraid to do this because um, because you don't get to play day two in the GT right unless you do that. But mm-hmm. I, I was like, I wonder what I'm missing here. I come in the next day. There's like buckets of water that used to be ice <laughs> and beers all over like like uh when i got eliminated i just asked sheldon i was like dude do you know whose beers these are he's like oh there's your mind you can have one it's like oh man it just it was the best tasting lukewarm beer i ever had it was after that elimination on day two
3: so story about that i i walked over to the bar before the after dark event and uh, I asked the lady, like, oh, you know, how late are you guys open tonight? And thinking, like, you know, Frontline had said, hey, you know, they're doing this After Dark thing. Stay open a little bit later. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're closing at 8, which was right at the start of After Dark. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, so I tried to tell her. I was like, well, by the way, we've got this After Dark event. You might want to stay open. We're going to buy some beers. And she's like, what? And I showed her the, rule, the rules with the... Uh, the drinking game specifically and she's like oh this is great I gotta tell my manager and I was like well just to be safe I'm gonna buy four buckets of beer <laughs> so I bought four buckets of there beer just for the after dark just so everybody would be good in case people wanted to drink and the bar was closed but yeah we oh my god the after dark was amazing they didn't shut off the lights like I was hoping but we, we still got some fun out of the black mm-hmm. lights and, and the rules and, mm-hmm. and the late night <laughs> shenanigans yeah it's it sounded
0: like you had fun on uh, Sunday morning when I came and talked to you next because you were like, "Kill team
1: players, kill team." Oh, my Pairings voice was gone.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was like a ten percent chance we were gonna record one of the episodes from LVO, but once I heard Sheldon's voice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sunday morning, I was like, Sorry. "Yeah, we're not recording tonight. No, no
3: oh. way." <laughs> yeah, I I started awesome. sounding like the kill team Reese. It was crazy. <laughs>
0: So let's move into uh, the actual segment on LBO because, uh, you know, we've got um, two players here that actually went through and the main TO in charge of the event. um, Able to talk about the experience and, you know, what the event was actually like uh, and, you know, uh, what would be possibly even cooler, lessons learned, things like that. Um, So let's just jump in. So, um...
2: The way that you organized LVO, similar to previous years, um, but for those who don't know what the tournament structure was, uh, four, four games of Swiss uh, Swiss pairings for the uh, first day, and then the top eight would go off and on the second day have a single elimination
3: tournament to
2: decide the ultimate victor in standings.
3: Correct, yeah. So it started out with uh, everybody going up against each other and uh we had uh just 40 players uh because (laughs) we had 39 and i had to jump in there as as the 40th player just to make sure everybody (laughs) flying in from spain wasn't flying in for a gt but yeah we had we had yeah we ended up getting that major status and then um uh round one and two we kept the same terrain layouts and then three and four uh, like during lunch we switched the terrain so it would be a different terrain layout and we had uh, four different missions so we had loot and salvage was uh, round one domination was round two and then I believe it was seize ground round three followed by consecration duel of
2: and, Wits. Duel oh wits, yeah yep. duel of wits. I I
3: and then, uh, and then we had, uh, um, terrain layout, uh, on the asymmetric uh, on the symmetrical terrain layouts, we had terrain layout one, and then terrain layout two for day one. And then for day, uh, two, I switched things up a bit and had, uh, terrain layout four, um, five, and then, um, the last one was seven, and we went back to, uh, uh, first we had, uh, Escalating Hostilities, um, Secure Archaeotech, and then we went back to Loot and Salvage for the final, the final mission.
2: So I, I, think it'd be kind of fun for, uh, Chris and I to go back and forth and talk about our paths kind of, uh, game after game after game. Um, so that first game was on Map Layout 1. And it was with uh, Loot and Salvage, which that's one of my favorite missions. I, I, I yeah. like that mission a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good training mission, too. I do a lot of teaching with Luton and Salvage. Um, that or Seize Ground are the ones I like to teach um, this game on. But Loot and Salvage is a really nice one to teach with because... It's not just a holding mechanic for victory points, which is something that's very unique to Kill Team 2. Each mission has a different way you interact to get the victory points. And it's a simple version right. of a lot of the other ones that can get a lot more complex. So that's why I really like Loot and Salvage as a, as a teaching mission.
3: Yeah, I, I like to start with that one because I did like a poll and that was the one that was like agreed on by everybody was to be the most fair and balanced
2: yeah i agree plenty of plenty of spots and it's a it's a nice deployment uh too uh, and plenty of uh plenty of um it's six um oh my goodness objectives objectives, objectives. objectives. there's a word <laughs> uh six objectives so it's nice and spread out so it's it's a nice fair one for whether you have a big team or a small team um my first game uh was against mr croot Oh, wow. Oh, nice. What a hero. Every tournament Eric. I've gone to, and I've never played Eric. Yeah, so I got to play Mr. Kroot. And I, I couldn't remember his name from previous tournaments. And um, he pulls out his models, and I see that he's playing Kroot. I was like, <laughs> oh, Kroot. Wait, 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 wait. Are you the Kroot guy? He's like, yeah, <laughs> one and only OG Kroot <laughs> <Crute> guy. <laughs> so that, nice. that was a fun game. Um I, I played, uh, obviously I played my commandos as I was saying I was doing uh, ahead of the time. Um, that game was, it was a very straightforward game, I ended up uh, winning that game, unfortunately limited to 11 victory points on that game because we didn't get to our fourth round. Uh, I. This is part and parcel due to me turning on that professor hat and turning it into a teaching <laughs> game just because I do that so often. I did not get my tournament chops out uh, for that first game, and I, I paused a lot to teach interesting stuff and to talk through tactics and stuff like that, um, accidentally becoming a teacher instead of a competitor there, so <laughs> held myself to three rounds because I was being too darn nice.
3: I'm sure um, Eric appreciated that, that uh,
2: though. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we had we had a great time, uh, and it was my first time playing against Kroot, I got to say 10 inch or four circle charge, uh, five circle charge on those crude hounds can cover distance. Holy moly. Uh, that's, that's a really nice missile to have to send out just to disable a big, scary shooty gun. So there, there's some shenanigans with crude. I can see why they're not F tier anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah, he was saying those are like the bomb squig, but without the bomb.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> no kaboom. Yeah, my first game. Uh, it's funny. I, I well, first off, I played Pathfinders. Um, did basically zero prep. Um, I think I played like two and a half, three, uh, three games going in uh, to this, and those were on online. So my first ever IRL game with the Pathfinders was on stream day one, <laughs> um, and, and uh, it was against Spain. You know, one of the one of the Spain players, uh, Mr. Carpaccio. Um, who was playing Thousand Suns. And that one, I feel, uh, long story short, what it came to was I lost that by four points, I believe. I think it was 10 to 14. And I messed up the order in the last round. I had a swing for me plus three, him minus one. Mm -hmm. And I was going, you know, time was, time was ticking down and, you know, I'm shoving models out and doing things and it's like, ah, crap, you know, you forgot this guy's supposed to be concealed. This one's doing this, blah, 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 whatever. And, um, it, uh, it really drove home, you know, how important the clock is, which might, you know, maybe we can talk about that a little bit later, but you gotta, gotta be giving yourself, you know, those four rounds and stuff and getting things in. I did get the four rounds there, but man, it was close. And, the last round needing to push for pressure and being behind um it's almost like if you're behind uh in points and the time starts to cut out it hurts you a lot more than the guy who's ahead you know so it it was just a thing where now all of a sudden i gotta scramble and i'm making little errors and stuff like that and and uh he was the better player uh for that uh map and mission almost had it but he got me and uh, i got to take home a special dice from playing the uh the spain spain one of the spain
3: boys so that was kind of cool. nice spoilers i got one too oh nice (laughs) nice i got they gave me one as the to too which was fun yeah all right my my first game was against tim which was a real fun game against his harlequins i had such a great time I wasn't really, like, too invested in, in, like, winning the whole thing, so I was kind of just, like, letting him do his <laughs> thing, you know, but it, I still gave him a run for his money. He, we ended up, I think it was, like, three points difference by the end, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, getting to finally meet him in person, which is great, since he's been, you know, a big guy on the Discords all the time, and... Uh, helping out with the data team stuff so it was really cool to get to see his harlequins in action which he had turned into little pennywise clowns which were amazing terrifying
0: (laughs) yeah he 3d printed heads of the horror movie clown and put them on his normal guys it was Mm -hmm. i think he because he ended up taking top eight i think some of that was probably psychological warfare don't you (laughs) no he was how straight can you play Yeah. yeah no i'm just joking but how straight can you play when uh when your your biggest fear is on the tabletop
3: right
2: <laughs> so um moving on to second games of the uh of day one i got to uh play pathies um i played mm. against uh paxton uh he goes by, oh yeah uh slim i think i'm saying that right i had to practice that because i'm like sl- <laughs> among us <laughs> Slamongus? No, Slamguinius. Yeah, uh, I get I get the name now that I had to practice it. But I played against his Pathies. And um, I had a couple games against Pathies before. And I, I had a relative plan of my priority targets, at least. The thing about that game that was really tough, I, I ended up winning. Um, the, the thing about that game was tough was deployment because when I deployed as attacker, which you would think it's like, okay, great. And it actually was very good for me in this situation. Um, Just because of that 15 inches of movement that (laughs) you could just yeet (laughs) that grenade guy forward. I need to make sure that I'm I'm in a position that I'm not gonna lose a third of my models from uh, pre-turning point movement, right? So yeah. a lot of measurement, a lot of trying to figure out the maximum reach and range. And we were—it was the best scenario I could have hoped for because we were short-edge deployment for that mission. So he had a lot of ground to cover, and it was still super threatening. So, <laughs> so um, the deployment was honestly the hardest part. I I had to deploy way further back than I really wanted to, but I'm very thankful that I did because he, he got his grenade guy out, but I only gave him one orc that he would be able to reach. Uh-huh. Um, and I was able to beta strike against um, him with taking out that grenade guy and then also chipping away at his recon drone uh, down to four wounds in that first turning point, if I remember correctly. So I, w- I was able to take advantage of being on the, um, on the defensive early, by then going forward um, and pushing back um, after he had stretched forward to get to me. Uh, That, plus throwing knives on Slasher Boy, Mm. Um, I've used them once or twice, and they always end up surprising me because you just need that one crit, and all of a sudden, holy moly, five (laughs) damage? Okay, Mm -hmm. okay, you've suddenly wounded someone, right? And if you got any other hits through... Seven Moon models dead, right? Yeah. So um, don't discount those throwing knives, especially because they're also silent. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that game, um, I think because of all the difficult decisions we both had to make and a lot of measuring. Um, that also went just into the end of uh, turning point uh, three. We probably mm. could have stumbled through turning point four, and I wish we would have. I think we had like maybe three, four minutes left just to gain some extra points. But at that point, Paxton was just like, oh, you know what, there's no way I'm coming back from this. You've clearly won. Um, and he, he he said, look, let's just end it here. And I didn't want to beat a
0: dead horse and torture him through another turning point. So I was <laughs> like, yeah, we're cool. We'll just yeah. stop. That's
2: fine. That's
0: fine. Yeah. yeah, second game for me, um, I, well, first of all, okay, here's the thing. Lost uh, the attacker-defender role. Spoiler alert, that happened in the first game. That happened in this game, this game. That happened in game three. That happened in game four. That I, I lost the attacker-defender shenanigans every game of LVO. Um, so going into round two now, I'm fighting for my life in this tournament. Took a loss, turn one. And it was a low scoring loss. So I'm basically towards the bottom of the thing there. Um, I get matched up against James K's son, Ezekiel. Um, for those of you online that know you know James K, uh, cool guy, his, his kid's playing. And um, so we uh, go into this and uh, basically he was in a similar boat to me where he hadn't really, I don't think, played a bunch of the Pathfinders yet. Um, but I had done a lot of Theory Hammer. And so he was doing some stuff that was really interesting he did like he he uh did like a 15 inch move something like that and then charged me with his blooded pathfinder to do melee and stuff like that i was like okay okay all right uh so we've we've got a live one here um and so when we had talked he's like you know i don't know these guys too too well if you know you can show me some stuff that'd be great so i did some things like i have uh, a super secret thing where in one activation i can put five marker lights on a guy um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so I was showing him that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And uh, long story short, I lost one of my metal dice. I was sad about it somehow in the middle of the game it disappeared. Hello. And, uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, I, I did end up taking that one and it was by enough points to put me back in the, the running, uh, for this, uh, thankfully. And, uh, I actually got to play him again yesterday at the tournament in San Diego. So that oh, was kind of wow. cool. Nice. Uh, oh, you went to add ease. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, <laughs> It was kind of cool because he was my my final round uh, there. So, you nice. know, you can see he, and I think he learned some stuff. He was playing a different faction, but it's like from LVO to now. Um, a, a lot of improvement, I would say. Nice. He, he was doing really well. Yeah, yeah he, but was, suddenly, he was suddenly super nice. Yeah, I was back in the running. Yeah. So that was that was cool. It's like, OK, got my life saved in this. Uh, did well enough to put <laughs> me back in. You know, if I can go undefeated at this point, top eight is still a possibility is where my mind is at so that. Mi- but oh sorry
3: oh no you're fine i was just
0: gonna say that that you know it's uh there's spain all around you know i, I don't know who else had taken a loss at this point and in, in this round because there could be some really spicy other one and ones to get matched into so oh, yeah. it was it was still an interesting point to be mentally you know
3: yeah my second game was against daniel uh valente who is uh uh ryan's uh, practice partner, uh, Ryan Wilfong, and so he he just wrecked me with the mirror match there with um, uh, the uh, vet guard, and I learned so much about VetGuard in that game, it was amazing. I was like, wait a minute, this guy has feel-no-pains? <laughs> I didn't even realize that was a thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've just been playing this team all wrong. I could have maybe actually won that game against him if I'd known that. <laughs> Little things like that. I was like, oh man. But Uh, It was a fun game, Uh, and that was my last, like, real game because after that we had enough people drop where I could kind of go back into the TO mode. But, yeah, it was fun.
2: (laughs) All right, so round three. uh, I had to face my boogeyman, uh, Harleys, on the ITC terrain. Uh, Going into the tournament, they were the ones that I knew were going to give me the most trouble, um especially if they were piloted by uh someone who knew what they were doing right because harley's can be a crutch or they can be a brutal brutal decisive weapon depending on what end of the spectrum of experience you are with them right and i played uh against one of the spanish players um adrian adrian garcia i think oh nice yeah Uh, and uh he ended up uh finishing second in the tournament so oh interesting. Uh, I, yeah I, I lost that match um it was very close but um <laughs> i attribute it to uh the dynamite fuse not going off i guess uh, I've been using Dynamite in an interesting way. Um, been experimenting a little bit with it in my local games, and I thought I would be using it, now, now that the obvious cheese by putting it on the Daka boy is not a feasible thing, I like putting it on my Breacher boy, and I like using it as an aerial denial tool because people are terrified, terrified of Dynamite. And if it works, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should be terrified yeah. of it. But um, I, I was using it um, to great effect to keep him out of the middle of the board Uh to keep his clowns worried and up in towers out of that maximum range. He was consistently measuring, 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 measuring how far that Breacher Boy could go. And the reason why I like it on the Breacher Boy is yeah, he needs a little bit of support to get it, right? He needs an APL from someone. Uh, You can give that APL to him after he's activated on turning point one, and then he starts turning point two with that APL. So that's one thing I like to do, to have that threat from the very first uh, moment in turning point two. Um, Another good candidate is the boss knob, of course, because he's also flying himself forward. But he doesn't have as much of a reach as a preacher boy who's just punching through stuff. So that's why I've been liking doing it on him. Um, And uh, it's worked well, except when I did throw the uh, the dynamite, it fizzled and not a single one went through on his clown. And I was pretty disappointed. I remember him saying, it's like, I've been worried about that? (laughs) Yeah and then he goes and he throws a grenade at me and it does the same exact thing so, <laughs> so both of our grenades that we were both worried about ended up not, <laughs> not uh, being relevant but, um, but it was, uh, he, was, uh, he, was a, he was a really good opponent um, and uh, I had a lot of fun with that match um, what I'm learning about clowns is that um, I don't like them <laughs>
0: yeah. I think that's where I've settled on clowns I have a lot of thoughts on clowns yeah they have a lot of get out of jail free cards and stuff you know yes. like oh I don't want to get shot okay and uh, oh I you know got into a melee I shouldn't be here I'm out you know what I mean uh, oh easiest charges in the game oh there's terrain everyone else would have to navigate around nope charge you know they're, they're <laughs> very they have like the fighter jet level ceiling but not the fighter jet floor I feel which makes them you know really good for starting out with, probably. Mm. But one of the better teams for that. Yeah, one of the
2: uh, great things Commanders can do to counter is that they get stick bombs. Mm. Um, And loading up some stick bombs instead of climbing ropes would have been an option, except for the terrain that we were playing on. I knew that there was no way I was going to get an indirect shot on him, because there were way too many containers. Uh, Mm. We were on long edge deployment. There were way too many containers that they were just going to yeet over and just mess up my day so there was no way I was getting that indirect shot off on on any of his clowns so at that point I was just like alright let's climbing rope for mobility let's hold back let's play that out and we were neck and neck for quite a while and then once the dynamite threat went away honestly then he just poured in so it's almost like I'm thinking should the dynamite have stayed um, in holding for another turning point just to keep him at bay and keep that fear up I don't know who knows how it would have played if I had done that differently but um
0: close game in the end uh, a lot of fun with it yeah uh i think that uh, round three was just a turn of uh, failure grenades because uh <laughs> i i had a similar experience um now a lot of people online they talk about this 15 inch tau grenade right mm-hmm. piranets is 24 inches is
2: <laughs> wait hold, hold up wait a minute yeah. something right
0: is this the hidden cheese you were teasing in a previous yes. episode? Oh. Yes. Oh, spill this cheese. Is the cheese! This is the hidden cheese. So I've got a 24-inch threat range on a grenade. Um, I'm playing against custodies in round three, and again, this is for my life. If I'm out of this, I'm two and two. Top eight is done. So I lose attacker defender. So mm-hmm. I have to guesstimate where he's gonna be to do this grenade, right? <laughs> um, I don't get to just put it there and be like, "Ha ha, I got gotcha. you." No, this is like, okay, where's he going to be? You're thinking honeypots, you know, blah, blah, blah. Where's he going to move to? Where's he going to deploy? How afraid is he going to be? And it's custodies, you know. uh, So if this goes off, it's going to go really well for me. Um, It didn't go off. Do my 24 (laughs) inches. I guessed right. Right where he was going to be. You know, in my deployment, I had my Grenadier right in the perfect spot. I yeet up there, chuck my thing. ah, And it just, it took like five wounds off. Or something and he's no, still a full no. custody at that point and uh so that was pretty much the story of the game is uh okay five five marker lights boop, 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 you know on one thing bam nope he's still alive like oh my god what is going on you know <laughs> like all this stuff um i couldn't kill these guys man as deadly as tower it was like he like i see a thing uh over there and i'm like uh, i see like a, a, a 12 he had a d20 and i'm like wait I've taken 12 wounds off him, right? And he's like, "Uh, no, that's how many wounds he has left. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just like, (laughs) man, I cannot kill these guys, you know? Uh, But eventually it did manage to be, I think he had one left on the board and I did run away with the second max uh, score of my journey run uh, for the LVO this year. So I did manage to pull it off, but Custodes, still hard to kill. Yep. Uh, question, because this was seize ground, which is,
2: um, when I played Janice at SEO, we played seize ground. And I found that this is a good mission to play against custodies on, mm-hmm. because there's so many objectives on the board and there's only so many that they can actually hold. Yeah. And If you have mobility and numbers, you can just play keep away just for primary objectives and choose mm. your tack ops um in a way where you don't have to engage or if you're forced to engage you're going to get points off of it like using implant for example yeah. custodian is going to punch you you're going to get at least one punch back right so you right. implant and die right um so i find Seas ground is actually a good good time to encounter custodies if you are if you have numbers to do that
0: yeah um it, it was a good mission and and like you know Tao is kind of weird because um like so many games people ask uh, they're like so drones can't uh, score points first of all they. some people think that drones just can't score period and you gotta be like no mm. they can they can score you know um, they can hold they just count as one APL less this and that and then the question becomes but they can't do mission actions and it's like except you would think so controller. right you would think <laughs> so except that uh, you can homeboy's playing xbox in the corner and he's doing it yes. remotely that's, <laughs> that's the thing is that you know, a lot of people are using the drone controller to set up a three and four activation stack. Totally mm-hmm. valid. Mm-hmm. Probably going to get hit. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you might not be able yeah, to it's do that way forever. Too strong. <laughs> right. Might not <laughs> be able to do it too forever, but you also lose out on some of the utility of what that model does, like activating the recon drone a second time, which mm-hmm. won me, I believe game four, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, Uh, you know, and the ability to have drones do mission actions and things like that, Mm -hmm. or not just count as having one APL. Mm -hmm. Um, So things like that, that they have, you know, um, it's something that if you're listening to this, to be aware of what they have going on, because like, I think people saw a worthy cause and the three, the three chain, four chain stack and stopped looking. And there is a lot here and it's funny you mentioned that
2: it's probably gonna get changed i would not be surprised if they toned down a worthy cause in some mm-hmm. way either by increasing cp putting restrictions on it who knows right yeah but it's funny because a lot of people are gonna say it's like oh Tao got nerfed and i'm gonna be sitting here in the background thinking it's like "He it got <laughs> changed yeah. um they that giant scary alpha strike that's not fun to play against Will probably get toned down by this, but you're unlocking so many other possibilities that right. players are then going to be able to discover when you make this change that it's, it's, might not be as big a nerf if a worthy cause does get, does get changed. I've, I've been thinking a lot about that as well because drone controller does so much, but all he does when you have a worthy cause is sit on a back point and just start the chain. That's all he's been doing in most games I play against. And, uh, it's nice to hear that your experience was what i'm I'm kind of foreseeing too
0: yeah so the thing that you know I think of with that um, it's like there's this kind of standard operating procedure that I see but um, I for example Mont-Ka turn one they want to just mm. you know blow this thing and run their guys up there and do all this stuff dude that's so powerful turn three and four you know,
2: Oh, a hundred percent. I was saying that too. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I feel validated.
0: Yeah. It, it's <laughs> like, so if they, if things were to change with that, I definitely think tower still okay. Oh, um, yeah. it, you know, oh, yeah. it depends on if there's other things, you know, in addition, but um, it's just going to change like the procedures of when and how and, and things like that. But there's, like I said, there's so much here. There are engines in this that make the, um, the Infernus engine from last edition with the Death Watch looked like drunk driving, right? Where you'd be like, oh, if I'm hitting on twos, rerolling ones, this and that. It's like, no, you know, five marker lights on a guy in one activation or you're, you're one turn and one APL left to shoot mm-hmm. and um, uh, you're shooting from conceal. Mm-hmm. So they can't get you back. So it's <laughs> like, dude, things like that is just so powerful um, on their own without needing to also have two and three other things you can do in that turn. You know. So, at risk of this
2: turning into the Tau Zone podcast, right. um, <laughs> let's start talking about the fourth, uh, the fourth and final uh, game of day one. Um, so, when you lose a game, you generally get bumped <laughs> down a skill level, right? I know, what's and going. you're like, generally, okay, I get, I got bumped down. This is my chance to prove that I should be in that upper bracket, right? So. I'm going to play this game and really milk as many (laughs) points as I can to top. No, I played ace. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) The guy who took first for the old thing. Yeah, Yeah, ended up winning it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's a fantastic player. He deserves it. But uh, (laughs) it's just so funny how how unlucky (laughs) that was because he and Ryan tied uh, round three. So BCP counts a tie as a loss. Um, So they get thrown into the pool with the rest of the uh, 2 and ones (laughs) And, hey, I drew the short straw. Um, He played Vet Guard. Uh, He played them very well. I made a crucial error that probably lost me the game at deployment. I have a joke on my roster with how two of my models are modeled. Uh, They both have gas masks. They're the only two with full gas masks. One's a normal Commando Boy, the other's a Slasher. The Commando Boy is named Roomf, and the <laughs> uh, Slasher Boy is named Hoomf, right? They look so similar, except one has two choppas instead of one, right? I messed them up! <laughs> As I was putting them down, the Slasher Boy who has the climbing rope was supposed to be in a position where he can climb up into a tower and gambit um i had missed those up on, on deployment and because it took me two rounds to get up there he wasn't in a position to charge down to protect my sniper who was going to go around the side and pick off his spotter to get rid of that rooftop engine that Vetguard is so powerful with um and uh because of that um that spotter did so much work not just taking out models but keeping me out of positions that i wanted to be in And um, despite all of that, going into round four, we were 10 and 10. So we were still tied despite all that at the end of round three. And then round four, I needed my knob to survive one shooting attack. And it probably would have tied or one point my way. I can't remember exactly how it would have gone. It would have been a lot closer. It was a close game to begin with anyway, but it would have been so close had that knob survived. And I mean, it was a sniper shot from the sniper guy and he did not.
0: So that one shot could have changed the course of history basically.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I'm pretty sure, I I don't know, I have to look back at the points, but I don't know with my two, three round um, games to start off with, I'm not sure if I would have top aided. It would have been close, um, but it would have depended on how many points I got in that game against Ace. Right. it definitely would have affected his ability potentially of getting into top eight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, because at that point he's a two and two. Correct. Correct. Yeah. But by BCP standards, even though it's a tie. Right. Yeah. Yep. Which was yeah. my bane in the, the first SoCal Open kill Right. Tournament. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Three I remember wins that. and one tie that got counted as a loss. Like, ah, you know. Yeah. So close. Yeah. But. But, uh, yeah, so
2: that was my fourth game. Uh, one crucial error on my side. He he made an error, too. He had moved someone off of an objective when he didn't need to. Um, right. So, I mean, there were both errors on both sides. His error was probably a one-point swing, one or two-point swings. Mine was easily a four-point swing, my error. So, that, that, that was rough, but um, it was a fun game. And, yeah, I got my Granada dice, too. <laughs> All
3: right. There's a... Uh, a lot of people don't realize there's like the tiebreakers in the packet, but the cool thing about that game was it was like they tied on every single level. Oh yeah, it was they crazy. They were true wow. tiebreaker. <laughs>
2: yeah, and his uh, ace with uh, Fernando, uh, Fernando's game with uh, Ryan Wolfunk, that was the yeah. true tie. Yeah, if, yeah. So yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't get a nice relaxing fourth round to try and <laughs> milk points out of to get, but that was fine. I'm glad I got to play against uh, Fernando. He's a uh, he's a great opponent he's super smart super effective with those uh with those vet guards and really showing that we did not know vet guard when this game came Mm -hmm. out they were underpositioned in all these tier lists and even we early on we realized or at least we had a hunch that 14 bodies instead of the artillery barrage was a right way to go But the way to use those four extra bodies effectively, especially loading them with grenades and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, I mean, the four extra bodies spotter with a sniper, those two things alone just propel them so far forward against
0: others. Absolutely. So, uh, game four, I think is what it is. Yep. Mm -hmm. Four. Um, I am still, you know, like, okay, I've maxed the last two games. I still have to get through not only do i have to win this next one but um i have to win it by a lot hopefully uh and and get enough points to make top eight my pairing was alec oh
2: Um,
0: the gentleman himself (laughs) yes i got alec uh uh, you know he's solid player he's many top eights uh you know play tester i mean just really good guy um and basically it's really funny because uh i walked up to him i'm like alec dude I've never played against Pathfinders aside, or not Pathfinders, against um, Novitiates. Like, mm-hmm. I see you're playing them, um, you know, I've never had an IRL game against these guys. What do I do? He's like, oh, you see this girl with the wine cup? You gotta kill her. <laughs> and then it's like, pairings up, pairings up. I, and we look, we just look at each other like, oh my God, dude. So, uh, you know, again, I lost attacker defender, and so I'm blind guessing, you know, I and the thing about it is, is I don't think I'm gonna, like, the, the grenade play is not every time. Sorry. Just, I just want to interrupt real
2: quick. Um, my novitiate cup girl is uh-huh. actually uh, the pot grot from the <laughs> uh, Hopgoblins set. Um, listeners, look it up. It's hilarious, and it's a perfect uh, uh, solo cup girl. Um, okay. Anyway, back to you.
0: Yeah, I just I, I got to look these guys up because I haven't seen that. Uh, I. Mm-hmm. I I don't quite know exactly what you're talking about with these orcs. I thought you were talking about the savage orcs at first, but these sound No, different. the cruel boys, they, they came okay. out of Anyway, sorry, I derailed you. Yeah, Go yeah, back. no worries. But yeah, so Alec and I get paired up. Um, the grenade opener is not something you do every game, but when there's something that must be killed right away, um, it's something that you start to think about. And uh, it was kind of interesting because these were diagonal deployments. So I saw an opening uh, for this, I set up for it, and I was able to get that thing you know, move one of the game. And now here's a little bit of tactica for you. Um, I come up and I know that he has, uh, the blinding aura ability, Mm -hmm. so he can just say no. So you've got to have like multiple targets here and maybe even some blast or something like that. Right. Because it's kind of like, okay, you can be saved here, but then the actual target goes off. And so the way it was when I got up there, I had his leader and, the Mm -hmm. pronatus and it was kind of like, which one are you going to save here? You know? Uh, (laughs) And I think that that was, that was a thing that let me get it. But this ended up being the best game I've ever played of kill team 2.0. The Chalnath teams are so evenly full of shenanigans that it was just an absolute blast because it was, we were both just doing the most ridiculous 5d chess kind of shenanigans. (laughs) Like uh, I had yeeted a guy up rail and I'm trying to get to the side to do some shots. Um, I'm going to get on his leader. He goes, okay, I'm going to give you the choice of who you're going to shoot. He moves his medic down. Um, but the way it is, there's this wall here where they can see each other. They're within range of each other. But for me to get a shot, I need to take my shot here or move over to the side and shoot the medic, which if I shoot the leader, she just survives and kills me anyway. Plasma pistol charge, all this kind of stuff. And he's got the leader and the medic left. So I I'm going to choose medic. But now the issue becomes, once I do this, he's gonna charge me and kill me with the one girl, with the the leader, (laughs) right? So I had to set up a rail rifle to the side, looking at my boy, so that when he charges me and kills me, (laughs) after I've killed his medic, (laughs) I have a shot on his girl. But then he uses the plus one CP, or plus one APL thing onto his girl, so that (laughs) I kill medic, he charges me, kills me, and then can shoot my rail, before it can do anything, (laughs) right? So I use drone controller to activate the recon drone, who was already activated to do a free dash three inches to the side to give him savior protocols. It was like, holy crap, can we just, can we just like, what what is this? You know, like, are we gonna take shots ever, you know? (laughs)
2: It's, it's so funny, like as you're describing this, all I'm picturing is like a fun house, House of Mirrors. <laughs> Everywhere
0: <laughs> you
2: turn, there's another rail right
3: Yes.
0: <laughs> it was just insane because like I said, if, if I've got a rail to the side who can either shoot the leader or the medic, you gotta kill the medic, but that means my guy's gonna die to the leader. So rail positioned up to support him, but leader now has plus one APL. So he's she's gonna charge in, fight, kill, and then shoot my rail, and then he's now protected by Savior Protocols. So it was just like, it was <laughs> insane. It was literally the highlight of my time at LBO, and it was the highest level game I think I've played of 2.0 at that point because it was so deep and we both, you know, just had this understanding of ply and what was going to happen you don't see this too often you see this even in commentary that happens with like oh bonehead move what's he doing this and that and they're not thinking next turn this turn and things like that um this had so much of that kind of stuff going on so best game i played and i did manage to take it and was very happy with that so it did make top eight from that game
2: yeah um, I did not make top eight <laughs> with my two and two record for the first time uh, ever. Yeah, that's a, it's a tides of change. No, <laughs> I think uh, I think with a couple critical errors, I could have uh, if I had caught those, uh, I could have uh, changed the uh, the tides of battle. And I I learned how valuable that fourth round is. I will not be teaching kill team at a tournament ever <laughs> again. I will be playing kill team, but. Um, in, in the final kind of moments of this segment, um,
0: let's hear about your uh, top eight path. Oh, okay, so top eight path was very short. I came in, um, I was dead from the day before because, you know, after <laughs> what, almost two years, 28 days to flatten the curve turned into two years of nachos and uh, inactivity. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, So I show up and I'm just dead. You know, I like my neck hurts, my shoulder hurts because like you're kind of squat standing, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? To to play this Mm -hmm. game, half bent over for, I don't know how long it was, eight hours, something like that, nine hours, I don't don't even know. Uh, And then a lot of walking to and from in different parts of the thing. So I was was really tired. Um, Lost attacker and defender again. And I'm going against (laughs) um, Ryan Wilfong's uh, Thousand Suns. And Mm -hmm. he's also, you know, top eight, really good. Part of the kill team. Uh, kill team open group that's that's going to be there um and so i know this is going to be a rough game so i lose attacker defender set up my guys i see a mistake even though he's attacker i will be able to get five marker lights on instantly i set up get my five markers i shoot the guy survives i shoot with rails the guy survives I shoot Zangors. Like, I I mean, this was a combination. This was, it's rough to say dice. You know, I always tell people in coaching, do not blame the dice. Think about what you could have done different, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And this was every person who secretly thought, screw you, Baronet. It was the dice. Um, (laughs) who came back and there's not taking anything away from him as a player. Um, but I think it would have been a little different if certain things had even rolled statistically average. Um,
2: and this is why I'm building the Vitiates. Yeah, for dice fixing,
0: right? Hundred percent. Yeah, no, but it was it was a thing. Um, it was actually funny because at the end he's like, "The only mistake I actually saw was that you had your guy up here where he could be charged." And, and I was I didn't I thought about it later. It was like, yeah, why was he there? Because he moved to shoot the guy who ended up charging him later. Like it was just so ridiculous. Like, um, you know, uh, relentless on the gun drone, right? Like your you know four shots hitting on fours, rerolling all failed it's like, I'd get one hit, you know, yeah. it was, it was really, really brutal. And, uh, the, he was really understanding of that, you know, it's really, I mean, this is a dice game, this happens, but it just kind of mm-hmm. hurt to have happened in top eight. Oh, and yeah. so that, mm-hmm. that ran it through, you know, because it's like, I wouldn't have even gotten to play today if it hadn't been for some hard fighting the day before. Um, but you know what? I lost to the most beautiful Thousand Sons army I've ever seen. <laughs> he is and an hit. incredibly talented painter. 100%. Dude, those, yeah. yes, those are beautiful, beautiful things. And the way he has it, it's funny because he's got his Zangors uh, proxied with like kit bashed, part Zangor, part Pink Horrors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's got like eyes like bulging out of them and stuff like mm-hmm. it, It's super cool, man. And just so clean. Like they don't even look like conversions, even though they are. Yeah, he's done a really cool thing with um, like little bead eyes. Um, yeah.
2: Midwinter Mini did it with, um, I think, Plague Bears, Bears. Um, mm. on his channel. Cool. And uh, they're just like these little kind of acrylic, like, they're not googly
0: eyes. Oh my goodness, what if he did googly eyes? <laughs> he's got to do oh, a googly eyes. that eye. would have been so great. <laughs> Ryan, we're sending oh, no, you googly eyes. That. You got to do it. But no, it was, uh, it was a great run. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I felt good at the end of the day because I felt like my loss to carpaccio was on me because of mm-hmm. the 3 and then the other one it was kind of out of my hands and some of the things that i could have done you know i think that um, it was long board deployment maybe i should have done the grenade play i didn't do the grenade play um, i was going to go you know kind of fairly cagey and i told myself like don't get too aggressive this game because you know once you're in top 8 the game changes it's not score max because you got to make a cut it's you when, win you mm. just cannot win. You can't lose because you'll get eliminated instantly. So it's just be ahead. You know, play conservative, this and that. And I haven't been in top eight for a while, so I was like, you know what? Like <laughs> reaffirm this, this and that. But then, as soon as stuff starts playing and uh, you know things aren't going my way, it's like I get desperate. You know, and I started being more aggressive than I should have been. So I think that was the mistake that I made in that game. Was being too aggressive, getting tilted. I was definitely starting to feel internally uh frantic like uh oh this is not working you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is now getting into a part of the game where things needed to happen or i just wasn't going to do it and uh yeah so that was that game but congrats to him i ended up taking fifth uh total so from the first wo i ever played till now this and both i've achieved exactly I've grown exactly zero, I think, <laughs> is, is what I've accomplished. Nothing extra from where I was my first tournament. My first major ever, uh, you that's know, that's not true. You fifth, got a fifth podcast fifth, fifth, now. Years later. Thank you, guys. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I played in the narrative on day two. Uh, that was sweet. super fun. Uh, my guys are crazy leveled up right now. <laughs> um, my it's it's unfair. Um, I have lethal five up on a big choppa. It oh, is my God. Unf- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's unfair. That was a fun tournament. Um, I won all three of my games for that. We just played three rounds. Um, lost to points to Janice, um, so got second in that narrative
0: tournament, so that was fun. Um, and that's
2: LVO. LVO. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So what do you guys think about the future? I would like to kind of look yeah. at, you know what, we've had one of our first biggest events here in the United States back since, you know, things have cautiously, you know, peeked out of the turtle shell and and started to potentially open up to the idea of, you know, having 60 people in a room together again and stuff. So the question now becomes, lessons learned on that, what do you think continues to be a factor? Like, we have Kill Team Open coming up and stuff, right? So what do you guys think?
2: Well, um, it's easy to point at factions and just say, these guys these guys are boogeymen um mm-hmm. or i guess the proper term is gatekeepers um but you definitely <laughs> need to have an answer and a solution for a few very choice factions out there um the three that i have written down are veckard harley's and pathies with a question mark mm. um now the these aren't these aren't teams that i'm saying these are overtuned they need to be brought down or anything like that that's not necessarily what i'm saying by this but they're definitely very strong teams and this is in the realm of the itc terrain layout that being said i think these teams are also very 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 dominant on octarius and on Chalnath as well but um the the containers and the layouts um i i really like them for itc And I think that for the exception of Harleys, um, most teams are fairly equalized on this. And um, what I like about the ITC terrain as well is that the density of the terrain, while not being super oppressive, at least seems to um, equalize the attacker and defender kind of battle of like, whoa. Is there an advantage to being attacker? Is attacker gonna win more often? That kind of stuff. I think the terrain itself helps out with that. So um I'm going a little bit off topic of where I started, but I I I do like how how the um the terrain itself seems to help
0: equalize that perceived disadvantage. That's just a dice roll. Another perceived disadvantage that I've noticed is I kind of believe that out of the gate shooting is uh, easier to pick up, and a little bit more efficient, and kind of could have mm-hmm. an advantage over Melee. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the prevalence of Heavy does change that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not quite shooting gallery, uh, you know, you've got to get to me to do your stuff, but you're crossing over big open expanses on some of these other boards. That's not the case on uh, on the LVO train in a lot of cases. Yeah, which is uh, why Har-
2: Harleys is on this list, because mm-hmm. I think a good amount of heavy terrain is definitely necessary right. to equalize between a lot of the teams, and uh, that's why you see. On, uh, I mean, it's no no surprise that Chalnot had so much heavy terrain on it, right? <laughs> um, but uh, th- that being said, Harleys don't have to play that game. And uh, Chris and I were actually talking about this, and Chris, you framed it perfectly. Um, the way harleys are especially on itc terrain but even in other terrain is that you don't have to worry about playing with precision and i think this does two things um it allows you to offload a lot of that mental bandwidth that another player would have to keep in their forebrain just focusing on the inches that they need, the distance they need to cover, getting a toe in this cover, that, that, and that. Um, they have a one CP ploy that keeps them protected no matter what, and then distances are all straight lines. They don't have to do all the climbing and dropping and traversing math. So they, they're very strong in melee, they trade very well two to one, um, and they, um, they're fairly straightforward to play successfully because you don't have to interact with the third of the rulebook, right? Um, Which is why I think that they're such a tough faction and why it's really important to recognize them as a dominant faction in the meta, irrespective of what terrain you're playing on, but especially in ITC.
3: I couldn't agree more. I think Harlequins are going to be a big factor on... On ITC missions going going forward, you know, something that people are going to have to prepare for uh, when they're going into these uh, sort of, you know, tournaments with the ITC terrain. Just being able to negate all that heavy terrain and just fly over everything is, is super powerful. I, uh, I also think, you know, going into Kill Team Open, we're probably going to see some Wormblade action. We're probably going to see, uh, uh, you know, them do pretty well. I think even especially on the uh, ITC terrain.
0: Yep. And that's one of the ones that I was going to say too. I think that these guys have the unknown factor right now that Mm -hmm. some people are are not going to know exactly what they're capable of or how to handle them, you know, um, and that's always a thing. I think that that kind of led to some of what the hype about the Pathfinders was for a while. It was just people getting creamed by, holy crap, 15-inch moves and, you know what I mean, stuff like that that they didn't Mm -hmm. know was a thing. So good good. Good uh, shout there, Sheldon. Because I agree.
3: 100%. But, but let's be real. The future of the meta is the new corsairs. I mean, look at that bird. <laughs> There's no way that's not I the most powerful you model, right?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, and that's that's exactly why I have Pathies with a question mark here because they have a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. They have an immense amount of tools to bring them success. I mean, you you just went off on 40 to 45 minutes, however long that previous thing was. <laughs> Uh, talking about all the glory that is the greater good but um, a lot of that once you figure out where those tools come from you can actually quite effectively dismantle that engine if you play tactically against them and um, that's why I think pathies were so scary early on Um, but um, I put the question mark there because I mean speaking from personal experience um I play commandos and commandos have a lot of tools that can take care of um take care of pathies. But in using those tools, um it's it's easy to see what the sinew that holds a Pathfinder's team together that they need success. Like recon drone, pivotal, right? Right. Grenade guide, super important. Once you see that those two guys Um, Those two models are super critical. That changes your perspective of the team. It's not this mass of bodies and drones that are coming at you. You're like, okay, these are important to them. Um, I can can deal with that. And you're not going to know that with Wormblade. They were my... Ace in the whole fourth one, and you guys skipped for that. <laughs> but, because uh, <laughs> we got talk, done talking about LVO and all the stuff that we have experience with, and it's the unknown with Wormblade, because there's still mm. debates on, like, oh, how to effectively use Locus. Oh, is Keller Morth better than Sanctus uh, Sniper? Right. Like, all this kind of stuff. Like, we're still figuring that out, and no one's got enough experience to to know the importance of their recon drone, right?
0: absolutely and it's gonna come down to i think to like mental load like pathies i think has a lot of mental load there's so many different things that you can do that uh you know are you in the right amount of like 0.5 inch distance away from that or did you mess yourself up because you can't do x or you don't have savior protocols or you know i mean this hasn't activated yet but you need it now um two guys ago you should have procked this buff mm-hmm. um Wormblade has a lot of things that remind me a lot of Tao. They've got a pseudo savior protocols, but in melee. Um, they've got kind of a marker light thing, but there's some things that are inbuilt into, say, the Sanctus Sniper or the Spotlight mechanic. Um, things like that. So if you think Tao's pretty good, they've got some of the things that they do too. Uh in, in different ways. And so you even if you're doing okay against Tao, you might have wrapped your head around that. You know, the thing about them, the, the new Wormblade, is that you might not have that uh, parsed out, the similarities and things of that nature, and what's different, perhaps, uh, between the factions. I just don't know how... My question is, how much is the mental load?
3: And uh, know, uh, mark my words, I don't think that's the last we've seen of Warp Coven either.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Warp Coven is my bane. As a as, as a Pathy player, my Tyranids were crushing them. I don't know what happened, but it's it's like Tau really want to kill little tiny a lot. Or I mean, I mean, excuse me, very few models important, not a lot of nobodies. So fourteen model lists like Guard, not happy. Uh, Zangor spam, not happy.
2: Yeah, um, from a commandos perspective, Warp Coven is annoying, um, but they're not as a big bad to me as let's say Vetguard, and i, I want to circle back to how strong Vetguard is yeah uh, we've nice. said it quite a few times and i want to i want to like just emphasize that because i don't want it to sound like oh wormblade strong they're the newest one right, right. i don't wormblade want it to wanted. sound no, like no, power yeah. creep because that, we're, we're not actually seeing that because you're seeing commando still stri- still really strong i think there's someone to worry about as well Um, I, it's hard for me to see commandos as scary because I know how vulnerable they can be. (laughs) I know where all (laughs) the, all the weak parts are in the armor. So it's hard for me to say, oh yeah, they're really strong, but they are really strong still. And I think they're definitely something to worry about. But, um, vet guard with just, as I was mentioning before, spotter, um, paired up with your, with your sniper on any map is going to be really scary to deal with. And throwing grenades on GA2 models exactly really really do some damage on some big beefy targets um or just really wreck you on uh, mission objectives with ga2 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 throwing out there and just looting a bunch of uh, stuff before you can get a chance to get there
0: yeah and i think it goes to your point perfectly you know uh when we're talking about power creep it, i don't think that the worm blade for example our power creep um mm-hmm. i think it's just an unknown factor that maybe somebody hasn't sat down and, and or tried that team or played against it yet, and your first time against them might be on the map. And then you know it goes uh, to the game's credit that you know Vetguard is now currently being seen as one of the best, if not the best. The aggression that they can bring, with the amount of special mm-hmm. weapons and grenades and activation shenanigans and ignoring rules is just you know unparalleled uh, for a lot of other factions to be going against. Um, and they've been in, you know they've been in the game since day one. So uh, it's not necessarily power crypting You've got to know what the other guys can do. And that's something like, I look at Vet Guard, for example, that I'm currently, I haven't won against with Tao in three games. Um, I still don't know which sorcerer is which sometimes, you know, they they, <laughs> I, I, they put them on the board and they're moving and they're doing their stuff. It's like, dude, my venom can, used <laughs> just eat this thing. Like what, what's going on here? Um, and, and I'll know what it is at the start, but then the sorcerers look so similar that it's like, uh, which one is the flying guy again? And then, oh he's got me by then oh crap i needed this guy over here you know it's stuff like that so it's not necessarily power creep it's you got to know the stuff and and i'm not there where i was with like say you know first edition and stuff yet i'm i'm right there with a lot of those people who are going to be listening you know we've got a shared experience right here i think and then
2: the faction that everyone seems to forget
0: crew and everyone never
2: (laughs) mentions not crew get (laughs) out of here show um But then, whenever someone mentions it, whenever someone mentions it, they're just like, oh, yeah, that's right. They're scary. Novitiates. Yeah. Right. Um, Like, everyone is always laser focused on, on, like, Wormblade, on Pathies. But do not forget
0: about Novitiates. They are scary. Absolutely. Um, Hardest game I've played was that, you know, like we talked about, was Alec. And I won that one. I just got the pants kicked out of me yesterday by Kellen Foster in San Diego with these Mm -hmm. guys, you know, it was what it is. And and here's the thing for you guys that want to know how to beat Pathies. um, It's a low scoring game, low scoring game, this and that. Uh, But you probably have some swings that the Pathies don't. And uh, they can shut down so much. If you don't kill that pronatus. So here's the thing, Alec was right to say, kill this thing and do it turn one because, oh my God, I was buried. I was buried And and, oh, by the way, they're blinding light. They can do that every activation. I thought it was every turn. They do it every activation every yeah yes yes
2: yeah so yeah. like the yeah. thing the thing about them that is just like an abundance of faith points um, they don't need their CP so they can use it for their flamers to make their flamers just the best in the game um, they can use their CP to double burn you end of an act end of a turning point and then any novitiate on a, an objective. Can immediately activate, so it's kind of like a pseudo-worthy cause. Depending on how they've set up the uh, board, they can always make sure that they're not worrying about um, winning initiative to get that um, drop on you at the top of the next turning point. Um, they have, if they don't need an abundance of grenades, they have uh, war gear that lets them use an ability, a, a faith point ability once. Per battle, which is clearly going to be on a key target just to make sure that you can always at least blinding light once. And it's every activation exactly as you're saying. So being able, if you are a smart novitiate player, which Kellen is, I played him on the narrative day. That was the hardest game of my entire weekend, honestly, because he's a very clever player. And if you position in a way that it's really unlikely that you're going to be able to draw a line of sight on two separate models. You're just never going to shoot anything. Yep. And that's what really kept me on the ropes in the game against him. Because I have some scary shooting with with orcs, with yeah. my commandos, right? But I was just like getting blinding lighted here and there. And, and I was just running up to someone who's like yeah i shoot i'm just trying to bleed the faith points at that point just to make sure that i can finally get something and then they just keep coming back
0: yes they keep coming back
3: i'm i'm so glad to hear you guys say that because like all month i've been playing against alec and uh just getting like my just stomped and i was just like "Ah, i suck at this game but you know no (laughs) it's
2: alec plus novitiates yeah they're both strong make double strong
3: oh yeah. yes i did beat him once Might make right. and I, i'm so proud of that moment <laughs> but it was just yeah novitiates oh my gosh
0: well we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Killzone podcast and we look forward to talking to you again next week this has been uh chris here i am Bironid. you can find me on youtube Biranid 40k at youtube something like that and I've been Emmanuel. You can find me and my buddy Alex on
2: Strategic Advantage on YouTube. And you can see me painting my little orcs on, uh,
3: on Instagram at eman.paints. And I've been Sheldon. You can find me at killteamstream.com while supplies last.
2: Thanks for listening to the Killzone podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive Kill Team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.